Let's play football. Here we go. Come on. We're back, baby. Come on. Come on. It is football week. Real football. Wins, losses. They count. They're going to tackle. No red jerseys. I love it. Uh, Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Chris, uh, the young lads at the bachelor party kicked my ass. <laughs> I mean, I was uh, I was taken advantage of. I was, uh, boy, my fastball goes about 85, and it just hangs over the middle of the plate all day, man. You got to paint the corners now? I, and I don't even know if I can paint. I, yeah, they um, they got the best of me. So the voice, a little struggling. But, hey, we got a little Gatorade. We got a little water. We're fighting here on the corner. Um, good Labor Day weekend? It was. I went uh, to Fr- Lake Freeman up in Monticello with some buddies. So back-to-back Lake weekend. So yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Indiana Beach territory. Yeah. Nice. No, so uh, it was fun. How was good, Cincinnati? Good. It was awesome. You know, I, I in all seriousness, I love Cincinnati mm-hmm. as a town. I think it's great. And. I'm able to go to some nice outdoor venues. I did go to the casino, and just unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, Rosie's uh, daycare for the first couple of weeks is still at the casino. Um, so that wasn't ideal, but, you know, you win, you lose. But, yeah. you, but you just keep fight. Grind, That's- grind, grind, grind. I will never go to another bachelor party. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just officially announcing my retirement from that. Um, but yeah, obviously a busy weekend, podcast wise, Colts wise. Um, Labor Day is hardly a holiday in the NFL, mm-hmm. so a lot to get to. First, before I get into, um, we'll go over the roster cuts. Little Ryan Kelly news, obviously Jaguars prediction, Twitter questions. Thank you to everyone that tuned into Beers with Bowen. Yeah, oh yeah, really good turnout. Pleased with the interaction that we we're able um, to have as well. If you guys have any thoughts, feelings on it, go ahead and DM. You know, Chris or I, we're always looking to improve in that area. So, um, really, really enjoyed everyone. Uh, the fantasy league, unfortunately, for those that didn't make it, that's life. Um, we do have a pick'em league on the CBS Sports mm-hmm. app. We're trying to make sure that's a public league. We don't want to have any invites or anything. So I'll, I'll be tweeting that out later in the week. So I think that covers all of our. Yeah, and once I have that figured out, meetings, so minutes, I should say. Yeah, so guys, sorry about. I I understand that some of the the invites aren't being able to go through right now, but uh, but again, once I figure out that link, that will be underneath the timestamps that you see in the uh, descriptions right now. If you're listening via YouTube, if not, head over to YouTube, look at the description, and underneath the timestamps of each segment that we're doing today, there will be a link with the CBS Sports pick. Perfect. I love it. I love it. And yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll tweet that out as well later in the week. So hopefully. We'll get a nice big group in there uh, over on CBS Sports. Yeah, so Beers with Bone had a great time. We talked about the 53-man roster. Credit to you even on your bachelor party. I was texting you on Saturday. You still had to work because they didn't make the roster cuts. Offensive side of the ball, did anything stand out to you? You know, quarterback and running back, pretty status quo. Um, I did find it interesting. Chris Bauer mentioned yesterday that, you know, they will isolate a a quarterback, it sounds like, or protect a quarterback, I think, COVID-wise here in 2020. You know, keeping four. You know, yeah. Chad Kelly on the practice squad. That's me saying keeping four. And obviously, Jacob Eason was a no-brainer. Uh, running back, same thing. You know, wide out to me. The two biggest questions I had, Chris, and we really tried to harp on this on Thursday with Beers with Bowen was, who impacts you week one, and who's the toughest to get through waivers? Mm-hmm. They answered both those questions on the fifty-three man roster. We know the big four: Hilton, Pittman, Pascal. And Campbell, but then Ashton Doolin helps you out week one, so he's on the 53. And Patman, Desmond Patman, is probably the hardest to get through waivers because he is the draft pick that teams are a little bit more enticed with and just doesn't have the Reese Fountain lack of 
you know, really anything in the yeah. NFL. How is a team going to claim Reese Fountain when he hasn't done anything in the in the NFL? So, um, you know, I wasn't. I think I had five originally. Um, I thought a sixth could come once you did some IR stuff, Trey Burton and 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 whatnot. So, uh, Frank Reich really gushed about Desmond Patman on Sunday when they when they spoke to the media about his consistency and his ability to beat press which is such a huge element to any young wideout in the NFL. It's something they loved about Deion Kane, you know, early yep. on in that development. Um, what I've seen from Pat Camp is just, I wish I would have seen him get more first-team run. Mm-hmm. You know, he did a lot of that damage against the second team, and, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm worried about the second-team corner. So, like, you know, how much of it is tangible? I still don't expect him to really play any sort of, you know, game role for you. But, you know, notable that he is on the 53-man roster for now. You know, tight end, what stands out to me is, you know, Trey Burton is officially going to miss three three weeks, yeah. at yep. least. Um, you know, him going on IR, what was that, late yesterday, I think? We're coming at you kind of late Tuesday morning right now. Uh, um, Bummer, you know, big bummer, because he is a guy that just is different than your other tight ends. It limits your offense. Um and I'm not shocked by it because, you know, something we touched on a few podcasts ago, Chris, was, you know, he felt like he rushed back last year mm-hmm. injury-wise. And I was worried kind of, okay, you know, he had a calf last year. He felt like he rushed back to play week one for the Bears. How's that going to impact things? And so uh, we see now Jack Doyle, Mo Ali cox and Noah Tungai or I don't know. <laughs> it's a miracle I even attempted that. I was going to um, test you to see if you knew it because I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of like that. He comes over, claimed him from the Eagles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, do you do more two back sets? Do you do more three wideout sets? We saw the Colts release their first depth chart late last night. I've got an article up on the site about that. Uh, we saw them list three receivers in that depth chart. You know, Paris Campbell being the guy in the slot, and then it was Zach Paschal over Michael Pittman as a starter. Um, I'm not stunned by that. So, you know, do you see kind of more of the multi-wideout, more of the multi-running back sets? Um, it is weird, though, because think about this, Chris. In years past, you've had to rely on your tight end group to, uh, you know, make up for, <coughs> excuse me, make up for a lack of wideout depth, you know? Now it's vice versa. Right. It's a tight end group that's banged up, and now you got to rely on those wideouts. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that that definitely caught my eye as well. What about the uh, defensive side of the ball? I think we, when we were doing the beers with Bowen, really impressed and really, uh, you know, positive about the defensive line. So I, I didn't see very many surprises there. Yeah, l- let me quickly go to back to the O-line just to talk about Ryan Kelly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Contract-wise, um, I, I did want to mention that. We hit on this on the start of Beers with Bowen Thursday night. This was the one contract we thought would get the extension all year long. And now you're in game week. I'd be surprised if really anybody else signed an extension before the start of the season. But Ryan Kelly, I think it was 5 for 50, I believe, or 4 for four 50. 4 for 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, 34 guaranteed for him. Um, continuity, continuity, continuity. Everyone signed through 2021. We talked about it on Thursday. Frank Reich went to Chris Ballard early on taking the job and said, we need Ryan Kelly to be an alpha dog. Yep. Like, that. that's what I need from my center. And when you draft him 18 overall, think about it. He's the only first-round pick since luck that you've given the fifth-year rookie option to. 
and then signed to a second contract. I mean, all those misses throughout. That doesn't even include the Trent Richardson miss, which is, you know, the the misses of all misses. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought that was a no-brainer for me. And, you know, moving forward, this isn't, like, pertinent right now, but whenever that next quarterback does come, mm-hmm. it comes back to you have the center in place. And Andrew Luck never had the center in place. It was Samson Satelli. It was A.Q. Shipley. It was Jonathan Harrison. It was, I guess, eventually Kelly, um, who, who was banged up as well at times. You just never got that stability at such an important position to help out whoever that young quarterback is. So the fact that you have that, whenever you do pass that torch from Phillip Rivers on to the next QB, I think that's big as well. But O-line in general, no, I wasn't surprised by any of the cuts. Yeah, happy we have him locked up. Happy he's going to be here another four years. It just seems like a, such a down-to-earth guy, too. I think I can't remember the exact quote, but someone said, what are you going to do? And he's like, uh, I might <laughs> stop and buy a case of beer on the way home. I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> he goes, I'll buy a case of beer and grab some Donato's, which everyone knows I am obsessed with Donato's, and so I could not relate more to that. So thank you, Ryan Kelly, for um, just being the common man. Midwest well, guy, too. Yeah, right. Uh, Cincinnati suburb guy. You know, it comes from the Alabama pipeline, obviously. So there's a blue-collar, no-nonsense sort of aspect to him that I think you love. Yeah. All right, that's the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. Any cuts that surprise you? Anything that you looked at and was like, ah, you know, I didn't really expect that one. You know, you, you were hitting on the D-line. I'd say the biggest news there is we aren't going to see Kamoko Terry for two months. That's tough. You know, it wasn't a roster cut, but it was a huge news. I yes. think maybe the biggest news item of the weekend, to be honest with you. I agree. And I know a lot of people haven't really – everyone's so focused on the kicker, and we'll get to the kicker, but you're without your best speed edge rusher for at least six weeks. So, again, he will not play until November. You play six games, and then you have the bye week. So week eight would be the earliest we see Ture. Think about that gauntlet you have. You know, starting with what is it? Lions, Ravens, Packers, like Titans. You know, tech, you know, you, you have that's your hardest stretch. You, you hope you have Ture for that, but you're probably going to have to ease him along. You know, early on in that stretch as well. So, um, it's something that I was nervous about. Like when I watched Ture, I just didn't see the 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 you know pop isn't the right word because no one wants to hear pop and ankle in the same sentence, but just that burst or anywhere mm-hmm. close really to that burst in the times I've seen him out at practice. And, you know, I, I, I've tried to make sure we harp on this with him when people have kind of asked me about Ture. It's like, I think we have to temper expectations until he can prove he's healthy. I mean, he this is a dislocated, fractured ankle. This That's serious. That's serious, it is. serious injury for a guy that his game is so predicated on speed. And now I'm... My question moving forward is, can you consistently create pressure up front with four or five? And the best way to do that was to have a healthy Ture because he is a speed guy. He is the dominant guy that is bendability. You have to think about helping, chipping, those things. And if you're doubling Buckner next to him, mm-hmm. what are you doing out on the edge to Kamoko Ture? So um, this is a very notable loss to me. It is something to where I don't know how you replicate his skill set elsewhere. I, the, the Colts will get creative, and they'll try to do some things differently up front. al Muhammad and Ben Banigou will probably be the biggest benefits from this. But those guys don't have the burst 
that Turi has. And then also, Chris, one I'm looking forward. I mean, you talk about stunning a guy's growth. Yep. You know, now he's playing maybe half a season, and now he goes into a contract year next year, and you're kind of like, um, is he that definite edge of the future? Is he not that definite edge of the future? Like, that is a question as well. So, um, I thought that was the biggest news. Obviously, it opened up a 53-man roster spot. We saw the Colts go heavy on defensive tackle. This is one of my misses. I had Rob Windsor making yeah. the team here. Um, I liked what Taylor Stallworth showed at times. I guess I just thought, I don't know, Windsor's a draft pick, harder to get through waivers. Mm-hmm. It makes sense with Stallworth from the week one impact. He's the Grover Stewart backup. Sheldon Day's on IR. You know, Windsor isn't really the nose tackle per se. So Windsor's still in the practice squad. We saw them claim another defensive tackle yesterday as well. And, and that's a position group that Chris Bauer just, for lack of a better term, hated last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he so disappointed yeah. in that bunch. So, um, boy, they are really, I mean, they aren't messing around with this D-line depth. They've no, got backups el- everywhere. I mean, so they have two, almost too many defensive tackles to the point where one of them I think would definitely be an active week one. And Tyquan Lewis is going to play a big role. I mean, he's the guy behind Buckner, so... You know, Sheldon Day, IR to return, uh, Ture on pup. You know, those are two key guys. Now, this group has a lot of depth, but again, I come back to this with Burton and this with Ture. They are different guys. Their skill sets are unique to their mm-hmm. position groups. And that's, I'm all about diversifying your personnel within a position group, especially because tight end means so much to Frank Reich and D line means so much to Matt Eberflus and company. So, how do you get as many different skill sets out there, especially pass rush? And now on third down, you just don't have that, you know, 98-mile-per-hour fastball, for my second baseball reference of the pod, <laughs> lining up off the edge. Yeah. So that's what stood out to me about D-line. Anything else on the defensive side? Yeah, how about all seven linebackers? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I thought it was possible. I, I went with Matthew Adams, I think, off late the injury worried me a little bit but they're all seven Chris Bauer draft picks mm-hmm. like he loves them all and uh special teams they're gonna play a whole lot there so I thought that stood out to me I think corner safety is what we predicted so I want to say I missed I know people ask me I think I missed like four maybe I had Grimble at tight end I should have just said tight end to be named later because <laughs> Tungnagi yeah. whatever his name is um, was there. The wideout, I didn't have Patman. Um, and then I guess the I guess the uh, the Ture stuff and, and linebacker. I think that's that was everything. Oh, and then obviously kicker. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah boy, how do I forget that? I mean, th- this was surprising to me, Chris. And I guess from what we've heard from the Colts, Rodrigo Blankenship kicked a lot better when the media wasn't there mm-hmm. before camp started. Now, those practice days were without full pads. I, you know, I don't know. Does it matter if a kicker's wearing full pads or not? Who knows? With Blankenship, I think what they see here is a higher ceiling. And, and I I understand that. Like, I see that. McLaughlin, to me, is safer. He is inside of 50. I feel pretty good. You know, yeah. I always make these stupid golf analogies. Chase McLaughlin, to me, is I'm going to hit it 250, 260 down the middle and hit about 12 fairways around. Blank and chip is, I'm going to hit it 275, 280, <laughs> but I might only hit eight fairways around. Yeah. So, are you playing the super tree line golf course? 
You play in more of an open golf. You know, like, what, what do you want? What's the flavor you want in your kicker? I don't know if I'm so scarred by last year in the kicker scenario, but I would want safer. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that would have been my thought process of, man, I, I mean, length wasn't the issue last year. You couldn't make a freaking extra point. And I feel like when I saw Blankenship miss in the practices we saw, it was the shorter kicks. And McLaughlin's misses were north of 50. Well, I'm kind of like, Frank Reich loves to go for it. Why not just go with the safe bet? Mm-hmm. And if you just make your extra points, I can sleep well at night. So I was um, I was surprised by that. I mean, they've they've made it clear very close. Bubba Ventrone um, talked to the Sus teams coordinator, talked to Andrew Walker of Colts.com. Uh, yesterday and just talked about how you know they felt like Blankenship had all the traits and that you know he's kicked in a ton of big environments which is you know we, yeah. we've really harped on that I mean you know SEC championships and national title games but Chris there's still more than half the season where Georgia's just beating the brains out of their opponent and Blankenship goes through a whole game without a stress yeah you know a, a really stressful kick Think about the Colts last year. I mean, what was it? The first, I think it was like the first nine games were all one possession. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's every single kick, extra point or extra points have no stress in college. It's a 19 yard or 20 yard <laughs> field goal, you know? Like those aren't the 33 yard. So it, even though he's not kicking in front of 100,000 and whatnot, he, there's a lot more pressure internally from, I'm not playing my FCS opponent in the middle of November. I'm not playing Vanderbilt here. Yeah, sure. He had some big kicks against LSU or whatever. And, and, you know, South Carolina, I think that game was one of the games he struggled, but I don't know, man, to me, it's just different when you're kicking for your freaking job and you know how close it was and you feel that pressure and you're, and you're replacing Vinatieri. That's what is surprising to me. It was so even, it sounds like, and they went with the guy that had the less experience. It was funny to me because media, and even local media here, um, our our station, for instance, um, they were justifying the pick by saying, "Well, you know, Blakenship has a higher ceiling, as you said, and he's he's younger, so you know he he gives you more years. He's one year younger than Chase well, McLaughlin." Like, Whoa, yeah. Why? When they said younger, I was like, "Is he that much younger?" I looked it up. I was like, "It's a year." This is not Chase McLaughlin, the Adam Vinatieri age gap. Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is one year. I know he had a healthy undrafted free agent contract, but and. and I see the high ceiling. Like, I I get, okay, I get what the Colts are thinking here. It's just like kicker. And I'm usually a high ceiling guy. I mean, I think all of our listeners know that. But at kicker, man, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, huh, I just want to sleep well tonight and not wake up. I, I You know, I, I just want to be, okay, 48 and in, I feel really good tomorrow. Um, Sure, there are games where you need a 52, a 53, whatever, but... I don't know. Um, Colts showing a little bit of, you know, brass. You know what there yeah. in this in this pick. Uh, we'll see if Chase McLaughlin gets picked up. What happens there? There's two open spots in the practice squad. I don't know if McLaughlin would want to come back to the practice squad. Maybe he just wants to be a free agent because he knows how kickers work in the NFL. But yeah, that that was easily the biggest surprise. I still think Ture is mm-hmm. possibly more significant, eyes moving forward and whatnot. And I still think Blankenship can be a fine kicker, but you're talking roster cut. Yeah. That was the eyebrow raiser. 
All right, that was offense, defense, and special team surprises from the 53-man roster and roster cuts. Want to jump into some Twitter questions, yes. and then yes. after that, we can talk about this upcoming football game. Oh my Finally, God. here we are, uh, Sunday <laughs> afternoon, one o'clock. Jags. We w- this will be a little shorter pod. We, we we're kind of up against it. I got to get out to Colts practice, so we'll try to get to as many of these Twitter questions as we have. All right, we're going to kick things off with Hillary, who's saying, "Why am I seeing folks on ESPN Network and and NFL Network? Pardon me, and ESPN hyping the Titans and Texans so much?" Am I just biased in thinking the Colts are going to be major contenders this year? Well, I mean, Hillary, I, I think the Colts will win the division. Um, my prediction on Thursday night, for those that missed the, the um, Bears of Bowen, I had them going 10-6. and six. But, I mean, let's give credit to where credit's due. The Texans have won, what, three out of the last four divisions? They have the best quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee just got to the AFC title game. You know, it's kind of like... The Colts, I think, are, are are in a prove it mode, which I like them in more of that mode. I don't, you know, I know in Vegas the Colts are the favorites yeah. to win the AFC South, and it's a lot different. But that's fine. I, people like make this such a big deal. I'm like, that's a good thing. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe I see the Pacers always lose whenever the <laughs> national national tension starts rising for them. So yeah, under the radar is fine. Yeah, this doesn't bother me as I think it bothers most people. Shad wants to, uh, the biggest surprise for him on the depth chart is Autry getting the start at defensive end opposite of Houston. What was yours? Um, no, I, that, that wasn't surprising to me. You know, I thought we mentioned Autry on the rundowns, Alkadi Muhammad on the pass downs for now without Kamakotere, and head to 1075thefan.com. We have an article yes. up on this analyzing everything. You know, Pittman is listed as a backup. There's three receiver slots. Fans will probably freak out about that. Not too stunning to me. Again, I think they'll rotate. And week one, who do you trust more? It's probably Pascal. Uh, Naeem Hines, both return spots. I I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Paris Campbell means too much to your offense to risk him there. Um, and you said he was more sure-handed, right? At least what you were seeing. Than Campbell. Yes. I still don't think as sure-handed as Rodgers, which, which kind of worries me. But still, um, yeah, I wasn't too stunned by really any of the death chart stuff, to be honest with you. Jordan's question this week is about Moali Cox. He's not really seen much out of him. He guesses that Ballard's going to draft in tight end next year anyway. Did you see any pop out of him in, in camp, or do you think he's going to have some this year? You know, uh, injured a little bit to start camp. Had a good, like, I forget which day it was, maybe fifth or sixth day when he first got back. Kind of quiet besides that. I mean, the Colts are obsessed with him. They are. They, they love him. They think he brings a lot. To me, it comes down to consistency in the pass game for him. And I think more will be on his shoulders without Trey Burton here for the first three or four weeks. And, and Jordan, the Colts should have drafted a tight end back in April. I think that was a mistake. And they definitely need to draft one next year because mm-hmm. think about ages. Jack Doyle's 30. Trey Burton's 29. We've seen some injuries kind of flare up for Doyle a little bit. I know he's healthy last year, but still, just a couple flare up. Obviously, Burton has the injury history right now that's you know getting a whole lot of attention. Allie Cox is a young one. I mean, he can't be more than 26, something around there. That's a guy you would like to at least have a part of your group right. moving forward. Teray Season wants to talk about uh, Malik Hooker. Do you see Malik playing into an extension? And if so, what would that contract look like money-wise? Well, my, my question is, is, is the extension here? I mean, I think he will get one. I, I guess that wouldn't be an extension necessarily elsewhere. It would be a new contract. But you know, Ballard had a lot of high praise for him. On Sunday, he was among the people that Ballard mentioned as having a great camp. Um, I'm more curious of how does the contract books look like for mm-hmm. the Colts. You know, if he has his best year, Chris, he's getting top five, top seven safety money. He's still very young. 
So do you feel like you have the money there? What does Julian Blackman show you in his rookie season? If Blackman shows you something, do you need a hooker? Do you want hooker? Do you want hooker for that price? Probably the better question. So, you know, I I feel like the Colts are pleased with, with where hooker is at, but still there's a whole lot more to this story than just if the Colts are pleased. Malik Hooker's got to be satisfied right. as well for him to want to come back here. All right, Colts fan and Cincy. Probably saw you out at some of the bars this weekend, oh, Kev. Oh, God. Pray for him. <laughs> Who do All you right. think the Colts bring in as head coach if they lose the home opener, home opener against Jacksonville? And, yes, their tongue is firmly against their cheek, but a loss would be concerning nonetheless. Oh, my gosh. Are we already here? <laughs> yeah. Hire Brad Stevens. Um, <laughs> I don't – you know, Chris, you just can't be behind the eight ball again. I mean, on paper, this is – Second or third easiest game you'll have all season. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Um, this is a JV team. You know, I, I mentioned on Beers with Bowen, you hammered the Colts plus seven and a half, which I love. Um, but that's the second highest road favorite the Colts have been since like 2013. I mean, these, it's crazy. rare to see the Colts as a touchdown plus favorite mm-hmm. away from home. Um, maybe home field doesn't matter as much this season, and that's factoring into things. But still, you know, it's just uh, you, you just you got to get off to a good start. I, when you play behind early in the season, and I felt like even in a way, I know record didn't indicate it, but the Colts were playing with fire last year early in the season. It puts so much pressure on every little aspect to your team. You're 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 praying for good health, and now as if you look at this year's schedule, the second half is where it's really bloated. That's where it's tough. So, um. Just get it done, and I, I don't want to entertain these questions. Come on. Josh wants to know if we're relying too much on players who produced in 2018. Um, that sounds like a Rivers, probably a Rivers Roads question. Yeah, I mean, I guess a little, you know, maybe Ty too. Ty is probably more health than anything, though. You know, I, I, I guess it's fair. I also think like health, change of scenery. Maybe you're relying on a little bit of that. And that's a fine line. You know, we saw with Eric Ebron, like the finest of lines of how that can change in a hurry. Granted, some might argue just the quarterback change led to all of that. I mean, that's the risk you take with free agency. Like, there's a reason why the Chargers said no. There's a reason why the Vikings said no. Um, 2013, it didn't work out for the Colts. 2015, didn't work out for the Colts. There's been other times where it has worked out um, to some degree. But, I mean, I was a firm believer that the quarterback group needed to change. The cornerback spot, I don't know. I probably wouldn't. I, I, I maybe would have kept this. I would have tried to keep both the Seer and Rhodes. I think contractually that you could have done it. Obviously, the Marvell Tell opt-out, you couldn't predict. Right. But now that looks like you should, definitely should have tried to keep the Seer. Who knows? Maybe Rhodes doesn't come here if the Seer is still on the depth chart. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is a storyline of the season. I think that's fair. IU fan in Texas, Vegas has the Colts winning the AFC South. Any idea how the Colts have fared when expectations are high? If this, if they recall correctly, did pretty well with Manning, okay with luck, and not so good with anyone else. Their key to a good season is the trenches with the offensive line up front staying healthy and the new and improved blood on the defensive line. Well, I couldn't agree more with that O-line staying healthy. I mean, as far as expectations, I mean, the Manning era from a regular season standpoint, I would say oh. they – sustain those expectations if not overachieved year in and year out like 
having that sort of consistency in the NFL is just unheard of. Mm-hmm. And, and that group honestly probably doesn't get commended enough for how good a regular seasons they had. It's just, it's just stupid how double-digit 12, 13 win seasons they were able to maintain throughout that decade. Um, luck era, I mean, 2015 was terrible when you had tons of expectations. Uh, you know, 2012, you had no expectations and you made the playoffs. So I I don't know. We, we never got to the full, like, luck, huge expectations mm-hmm. besides 2015. Yeah. And that didn't go well. I, I, I will say this, Chris. If the Colts want to have the sustained success that you hear that phrase uttered from Jim Irsay and Chris Bauer so much, you've got to get back to the, there's the bullseye on our back, and we embrace it, and we thrive with that. That's the only way, because if you if you do cripple under the pressure or you know start reading those press clippings and let it get to you, you're never going to be sniffing whatever, you know, multiple Lombardis like Jim Mersey wants. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's just not going to happen. So it, it, it's weird. I think you need to, while this team plays better as the underdog, I, I firmly believe that, there's also a level of when that bullseye does get onto you, embrace it. Thrive in that. That means people expect you to be good. Prove them right. Proving them wrong, okay, that's one thing that's easier to motivate. But proving them right, that means you're getting the job done. Kev, right now on 107.5thefan.com, you have an article about the Colts' lofty turnover goals, and that relates to Grant's question talking about Anthony Walker saying that the defense is going to have 40 turnovers this year. That's two and a half per game for 16 games. Over or under that goal for the season? Chris, 40 is um, an absurd number. <laughs> absurd. Um, I hope it happens. I drafted the Colts' defense last night, so I hope it happens in another yeah, league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I could not agree more there for your sake. Um, back in the spring or summer, Bobby Okariki mentioned this goal, and I totally forgot that I had written the article and saved it somewhere and had never published it. So when Anthony Walker said this, I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot that I, that I wrote that. So I ended up posting it with the Walker quote in there. And I went back and looked at the last 10 years mm-hmm. as a franchise, how many turnovers the Colts have forced. Here are the numbers, okay? Last 10 years, 23, 26, 20, 17, 25, 26, 27, 15, 17, 21. Wow. That ain't even close to 40. No. I respect amb- ambitious goals, but, you know, I mean, I'd be setting the over-under at what, like, 25 and a half? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have no idea what, what, what you'd – like a realistic over-under. Um, the Colts haven't finished top nine in takeaways in a decade. I mean, you think one year you just fall into the top ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had good teams, good records over that time, but they've always overcome the lack of defensive playmaking. So, you know, it, it, it's a question of – does 10 returnees and DeForest Buckner make the difference? I mean, that's what it is. You know, Xavier Rhodes when you get in the nickel, but mm-hmm. everyone else was here last year. So, but is it now, okay, we're plugging in Kari Willis. You know, you feel like um, whatever. A Muhammad is a little bit better. Guys are ascending. So, I, I just am not a believer in the scheme enough to create that type of chaos havoc. I don't feel like the Colts even get their hands on enough balls. And yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's Leonard or Bust with these oh, turnovers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's just kind of like, man, you're so reliant on one player to do it. So, yeah, 40, I no, 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 no. Um, 
if you could sign up for 27 right now, you'd do that in a heartbeat. Speaking of turnovers, Rich has some serious concerns about the secondary. Doesn't feel like Ballard, uh, he feels like he kind of completely ignored it, to be honest, and he, he doesn't know why he let Desir walk. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go ignore totally. When you look at that group as a whole, Ballard has spent a good amount of resources there. I mean, a first-round pick on Hooker, second-round pick on Wilson, uh, you know, second-round pick, very early second-round pick on Rocky Scene, uh, Julian Blackman, third round, Kari Willis, fourth round. Like, yeah, I'm not going to ignore. Now, this offseason, you know, should it have gotten more attention? Maybe. But again, third-round pick on Blackman, somewhat of a decent payday to Xavier Rhodes. Uh, to see or why he let him go, they felt like he was getting too injured. Mm-hmm. And they didn't I, – I think they believe Xavier Rhodes is a higher ceiling. Okay. So, what I need to see, though, Chris, is two things. I've always said I feel like the D-line can help out the corner group. If they can create the more pressure – that can alleviate stress off those corners. Now, I'm sitting here saying, oh, boy, the Kamoko Terry thing, you know? Like, that's that worries me a little bit of, like, is that pass rush going to be as impressive as maybe I thought it was going to be? And then I wrote this back in the summer, and I was reminded of it reading this question. Another DB has to emerge like Kenny Moore has emerged. Right. Kenny Moore is a borderline pro bowler. In my opinion, he's a pro bowler. Someone else has got to get, and don't give Xavier Rhodes a Pro Bowl. Xavier Rhodes, no, stop it. Stop it, stop it. The Pro Bowl is idiotic. Xavier Rhodes gave up like, I don't know, 70-some percent in completion percentage last year and over like 120 passer rating. It was like 115th in the NFL, something just horrific. Somebody else, Hooker, Willis, Rakusin, who by all accounts had a really good camp, they've got to ascend. That is so key for the secondary. This one's from Mike. Let's say the Colts end up with the 21st draft pick in the upcoming draft. What do they have to give up to move up in the draft to get a premier quarterback, assuming that the Jaguars get the first pick and probably won't trade within division, thus taking Lawrence off the table? 23rd? 21st. 21st. Um, Boy, a future one, 21 overall, and probably some combination of a current second and a future third. Okay. I mean, it's... it's um. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's going to take a lot. I mean, 21 to the top, I assume you'd have to get to, like, top three. I mean, maybe three, four, five. I, you know, I'm not – Yeah. You know, someone's going to trade above you if they really need a quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would take a substantial amount. Never like, you know, we're th- four days before the season over, five days before the season over, and we're getting <laughs> questions about trading up in the draft. I love Kevin's Corner. It's the best. I love these listeners. God bless you all. <laughs> Fabio wants to know, would you trade for an outside cornerback at this point? He doesn't feel that either Carey or Rodgers would do would do well if Rock or, Rock or Rhodes gets injured. You know, Fabio, you hear me talk about the lack of cornerback depth, and it would make sense, mm-hmm. obviously. I don't love trading draft picks, maybe just because of the question above, you know. Um, but he's right, man. It's TJ Carey or bust in terms of an outside corner, and I know – I had a colleague of mine DM me the other day saying, oh, my gosh, I'm watching T.J. Carey against the Browns, and this film is terrible <laughs> from last year. So it, it, it's a worry. It is a concern. You know, maybe you should have given it more attention in the spring. You know, the Marvell Tell opt-out is, again, hard to predict. That obviously impacts things. A lot of people ask me, what opt-out, how would opt-outs have changed the 53-man roster? I'd probably put Tell on there, and then you would definitely put Tell on there and you take some other position group away. I, I think they like Rodgers enough to have made the team anyways. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm just I'm looking at that waiver wire, and I am I've got corners on line one, man, all season long. Mike wants to touch on the kicker decision again. Any more thoughts on that with us keeping Hot Rod instead of Chase? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess just going back to what I said earlier, Chris. Again, I just feel like that position group you're usually safer with, and I don't know. Maybe I again, I'm just so scarred from the Vinatieri situation last year, but and not giving Blankenship enough credit for the environments he kicked in in college, but I, I still think it's different in the NFL, mm-hmm. man. I, I just think, I mean, think about it. You walk out there for your first, like everyone tweets like extra point stats for college. I'm like, that's a 20-yarder versus a 33. I mean, you know how big of a difference 13 yards is on a field goal, let right. alone that close? So I just, um, I thought McLaughlin in front of us, which I does that matter? Like, I mean, the kickers, they look around at practice. They know who's there and who's not there. I mean, kicking in full pads, kicking inside of Lucas Oil. Chase McLaughlin made one more kick than Blankenship did right. inside of Lucas Oil in those two days we were in there as well. It just seemed like if it was even, I would have gone safer. Alex wants to know which rookie had the biggest impact on offense this season or will have the biggest impact on offense this season. Yeah, I'll go Taylor. Yeah. Just a slight, yeah, go, go go Taylor. I mean, Pittman, like I said earlier, I'm still telling people I think Campbell over Pittman if I'm drafting if I'm drafting that second wideout for the Colts. We talked a little bit earlier when you mentioned Ryan Kelly and the extension about some of the injuries that he's had in the past. That kind of ties into Matt's question. Over or under 13 and a half games started for the current offensive line as a whole? Oh, my, that entire group started yeah, together? which oh, is tough to predict. Yeah, well, I'm going to go under. I mean, if I'm predicting injuries up front, I mean, if you could get 14 games from that O-line, oh, my, all five of them together? Hell, yeah. I, that is <laughs> – yeah, I mean, you guys have heard me say it before. Chiefs and 49ers last year, they needed their backups to start, like, 16 and 18 games throughout mm-hmm. the course of the season. So – and one, one thing, you know, not to overlook, Chris, about this continuity for the O-line, it largely goes back to 2018. When you settled on the, you know, just a crazy scenario that that unfolded, the, the tragic death of Denzel Good, he's got to miss a game. Braden Smith, uh, Denzel Good's brother. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Uh, geez, boy. It's okay. <laughs> um, Braden Smith's got to go to right tackle. Mark Golinski comes in to right guard. That's when you found this group. And then I think Kelly might have missed maybe one game or two late in the season. But that group stayed together. You know, Nelson, Costanzo, all of them stayed together really throughout the entire 2018 season. So, um, this is almost like a two-year right. great health. So, I, yeah, I can't go there, Matt. Laura wants to know, will the Colts publicly announce the captains for this year, and how are they selected? You know, Laura, I feel like I asked Frank Reich last year, week one, like on Friday, this question, and I want to say he kept it internally. And they tend to do game day captains more than anything, you know. Who's from Jacksonville? Yeah. Who showed up last week? Who's played well in practice? They do have a leadership council. I would assume that would just be a straight team vote. But they do have a leadership council, which, again, is your leadership council kind of your captains? I, Who knows? But, um, yeah. I don't think it's as like a see on a chest sort of, mm-hmm. you know, we play high school football and all of our captains walk out and hold hands together. Kev Pierce was able to catch his first beers with Bowen last week. Thank Appreciate you, that. Love that. Hope you threw back a few. <laughs> He's concerned, though, about our tight end depth. He knows that we signed a couple guys to the practice squad, but with Burton on IR and Doyle already showing signs of the neck injury, feels that we're shallow at tight end. 
Yeah, and shallow is an interesting word to use, Pierce. I, I go back to the word I was using earlier. It's not as diversified as enough for my liking. You know, I want to have some speed. I want to have some inline blocking. I want to have, you know, consistent separators, uh, all of those things, because Frank Reich uses that position group so mm-hmm. freaking much. That's where I, you know, I like Jack Doyle. I, I think Mullally Cox, okay. I, I see a little bit more that you could tap into there, but it is the variety within that group that you really lose with Burton. And we'll see. I mean, this Eagles guy, you know, comes over, you think similar offense, but still, I, I don't think you're throwing a whole lot on his plate Sunday and yeah. All right, still a good amount of questions, so we're going to get through these as quick as we can for all you guys. Colton's question, bold prediction. Julian Blackman switches back to corner by the end of the season. We already have great depth with safety, and if Hooker plays lights out, and hopefully, but not, Xavier could be in his last season's form and becomes a liability. No, no. Eberflus has mentioned Julian Blackman's got to train at one spot. That one spot's been safety. He's watching Allen Williams all camp. I mean, if this is the future for And he's safety, still learning safety, right? Right. You know, I mean, he's only played one year in, in, in college. No, I. you know, he's got flexibility, versatility. You love all that, but, you know, Hooker can walk. And then what do you do at safety? I, I get that you have issues at both parts, but or at least concerns at, at, at both positions back there. But no, Julian Blackman was drafted to be the safety of the future with knowing that you've got some flexibility within his game that you could probably tap into on uh, sub-packages. This one's from Travis. Kevin, you obviously already we started the podcast by hitting on some differences between your 53-man roster and the Colts' 53-man roster, but did you also see that Kane got released from the Steelers and Henches from Washington do you see the Colts with any interest, particularly with tight end? You know, Hentges, it's he's just not the hybrid guy that you're looking for, I think. You know, not just the 240-ish pound receiving type. Hentges mm-hmm. is obviously a solid guy, but just not, again, that type of skill set. And Kane is back on the, um, back on the practice squad um, for the Steelers. From John, Cavi feels really good about the defense outside of cornerback with five corners, cornerbacks on the roster, and three of them being slot guys. He's getting very concerned about Rhodes not panning out. If Rhodes is a bust and the offense looks special, are we desperately trading for a corner? If so, who are we targeting? Maybe it'll be our 2020 version of the Booger trade. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thought. kind of goes off an earlier one. Yeah, if you get to a point midway through the year where it's a little bit of panic mode, then, then maybe you do explore that. Um you know, I, I think Rocky Seen and Xavier Rhodes can be a, a decent duo outside. Mm-hmm. I do, but it just worries me about depth because, you know, corners just get nicked up, man. They do. Just one little injury. Um, so, yeah, it, I keep on coming back to the veteran market's got some names out there. Um, I'd be trying out corners endlessly and, and just trying to kind of churn and see, okay, what can I find out here in emergency? Steven and Patrick both wanted to know about Josh Rosen after he got released. Oh, no. No, no, no. The Colts think Josh Rosen is not very good at football. <laughs> yeah. I, it seems I get, like a lot of teams feel that way. Correct. And I get this question arguably more than anything. Um, I, that, I'll put that as in nice terms as I can. The Colts think Josh Rosen is not good at football. This question comes from Michael. Do you really tank? Do teams really tank or are they playing with maximum effort and really that bad? Yeah. I, I mean, I... I Tank is such a harsh word. I mean, like, how can Doug Marone be tanking? You know, it's just like these guys are playing for their jobs. 
individually, mm-hmm. you know, across 32 teams. So upper management might want to, but at the end of the day, I can't tell you one owner that's saying to the head coach, purposely lose right. and jeopardize your job and tell those third, what 53 guys on the field to purposely lose and they jeopardize their future jobs. Like, no, I can't. I can't see that, man. Yeah, and that's what McAfee was saying. Someone asked him recently the year that there was, like, suck for luck or whatever. Right. He's like, maybe management was getting players out of there that thought might help us win, but for us, you're playing – you're putting you're putting film or, or, or plays on tape in case you don't come back to this team. Job you're interviews. still trying to try out for other teams. That's Those job interviews. And, and think of this, how close was Week 17 game – that game was yeah. for the Colts in 2011. And even back to the Peyton year – you know, the Colts easily could have won Week 17 both those years and totally reshape the future of this franchise. Ted wants to know, other than the fact that he loves your work, by the way. Thanks, Ted. Thoughts on Jonathan Taylor's role this year. Do you think Reich hands him hands it over to him sooner rather than later? Again, we get these a lot. I, I think it's Mac. I, I do think it's Mac early in the year. Two things for Jonathan Taylor. Show ball security, hit a couple home runs, and honestly, hit a couple home runs Sunday. We'll get into this in keys to the game when it's time to talk Jaguars, but I think he has some opportunities on Sunday late in that second half. But for now, Marlon Mack has done nothing, nothing to scale him back in a significant manner, and I think Jonathan Taylor's got to come and get it. Mm-hmm. Kev, we talked on numerous podcasts about EJ Speed and his athleticism. Garrett wants to know what's holding him back. What makes him so much further behind Bobby and Anthony Walker? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it's great talent in front of him. <laughs> I, I think that would be a big thing. And you got to remember, EJ Speed, college quarterback, turned wide out. He played at Tarleton State. Mm-hmm. Their schedule, you know, 3A ball. Uh, you know, it's not even South Carolina State where Leonard played. They played at least Clemson. And, right. I mean, Tarleton State played nobody. So this was a project sort of thing with EJ Speed. This year's training camp seems to have been relatively injury-free compared to past years. How much credit does the unsung Rusty Jones deserve, and how much credit does Chris Ballard deserve for talking him out of retirement? That comes from Wyatt. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the harder questions I get. It does seem like a pretty calm training camp for the Colts. I I would say, honestly, give players credit for training well. I mean, Mm -hmm. short ramp-up period, they're on their own. There wasn't a lot of come into the West 56 building. Um, And and I, I, I do think Rusty Jones matters. I mean, clearly the Colts have made this be like he knows what the hell he's doing preventative stuff soft tissue yeah i mean knock on wood yeah i would say this is a pretty good camp health wise for the colts from jordan in a 16 game schedule it's six division four nfc and four afc what will the extra game be next season is it just a random team oh it's a good question i really haven't thought about it um yeah, and then you have the two teams, you know, that you're aligned with within the divisions. The mm-hmm. Colts, I think, have the Jets this year and the Raiders, AFC West. That would be the teams they finished, you know, same order last year. Uh, I don't know, maybe like an NFC division randomly that you're aligned with. You know, second place AFC South team plays a second place NFC South team. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe something there. Kevin, Michael wants to know if you were trying to make the Colts roster, which position, which position would you want to be playing and why? Uh, I I'd want to be the kicker. Um, I know I know it's a lot of pressure, but kickers are good golfers. So I I would want to be the kicker. Um, yeah, I just want physically to be healthy. I, I mean, obviously everyone would say quarterback. You want the stardom. You want you you know you want the money, all that. But uh, I I'd be content with the ten year job kicking mm-hmm. and uh, being good. Hopefully, maybe punter a little less pressure than kicker, and uh, just play a lot of golf. 
also, I really wish I was a tough fullback. Watching Navy get their ass kicked last night was so demoralizing. I was just really disappointed. I, my Army cadets played so well over the weekend, and Navy, that was tough to see. It was. I mean, I was so amped. I'm like, college football, let's BYU, go. You one and a half point favorite. Oh, my God. Why didn't I take yeah. that? The overhit. <laughs> I should have known Navy didn't practice. I mean, like, that was supposed to be Notre Dame's first game. Navy. Yeah. Bill wants to know, so in Kansas City, they extended Andy Reid and Brett Veach. Any rumbling or rumors about an extension for Ballard? Oh, no, Bill. I I, I mean, I, first off, Jim Mercer gave him a very healthy deal to begin with and called him the whatever, the best hire of the 21st century GM-wise. But, I mean, to get an ex- I mean, Brett Veach got an extension. They just won the Super Bowl. I mean, what are you giving Chris Ballard an extension for going 7-9? Like, mm-hmm. I, again, I know it's not all win-loss, but you can't just – you can't be like, well, I feel like the roster building's going really well, so here's another five years tacked on the hell. He probably got five or six to begin with. So, um, yeah, you got to earn it. I mean, earning the contract extension, and, and unfortunately, it's a bottom line business. So, I, and I say that with no inkling that he's on the hot seat by any means. I just think we're talking extension. That's a little bit different in my eyes. Tyler has a two part. We'll get to the first one. And then we'll we'll tack on the the, the fun one after. Okay. Naeem Himes make him nervous as a punt returner. Do we have a Terrence Wilkins, Chester Rogers, sure-handed but not necessarily big play type option? It's a good question. You know, uh, maybe Pascal would be the one I I would put back there. Isaiah Rogers on the depth chart is technically the the, the backup, but Pascal would probably be my more of a you know up four three minutes to go in a game type of mm-hmm. send him back there to fair catch it. I and I guess I am a little concerned about the Hines thing with that and if Paris were to run from one end zone to the other on what yard line and in what current state would Ross Lubbers need to start to beat him <laughs> this is good so this is this is my brother-in-law Ross Lubbers um who just had the bachelor party well boy I'd say the Ross Lubbers I saw on Sunday he would need uh he'd need quite a big head start um Paris Campbell 100 yards so we're going end zone to end zone here mm-hmm. I mean, Ross is an athlete. I, I think he's got a burst. Um, boy, but, I mean, coming off the bachelor party, man, I think he was moving like Phillip Rivers. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was tough. Uh, okay. R- uh, Campbell's at the goal line. I- I'm going to say Lubber- Ross needs to be, I almost called him Lubbers. Ross needs to be at the, um, gosh, it sounds like an I-step test. If train A leaves station <laughs> at 75 miles per hour. Uh I have no idea. He needs to be at the 40. I was going to say probably around four. I don't know Ross, but I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, he's got some speed, you know, former DB. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got a little – but, I mean, once you feel Campbell coming, you start tightening up real quick. <laughs> it might it might need to be the other 40. Now that I think about it. What a great question. Let's go – Um. all right, let's just squeeze them all in. We only got like five more, right? Yep. Okay. Okay, from JJ, how do you respond – how do you respond now that you've seen the defense at practice? The Colts were 31st in completion percentage in 2018 and 19, which is around 70%. After two years ranking 31st against the pass, has this defense improved? I mean, how can it not? I mean, we're just talking subtle improvements. I mean, historically bad. So, again, pass rush to me will dictate a lot for me. Um, it's hard to evaluate when you go, you know, your own against your own, but still, I, I, I do think we'll see an improved pass defense. Jeremy wants to know about fan noise this season. Um, with a limited amount of fans being in, does the home team get to pump in fan noise? Home field advantage, advantage plays such a big role in football. 
Is this monitored by somebody from the NFL with strict protocols, depending on the game situations, et cetera? I'd assume monitored. You know, 80 decibels, I think, is what it is. So do you take, like, your – I mean, the Colts are now, what, 2,500 people, Mm -hmm. which I think is even smaller than some of the Indy 11 attendance we've seen in Lucas Oil this year, the soccer team. Um, Yeah, I would assume it's kind of, like, added on. You know, whatever you get to 80 decibels, that's the threshold that you have in there. But it's weird, man. Like, you'll have the Reds down – you know, 10 to 2 in the second inning, and it's like, here's our status quo. <laughs> crowd, crowd would never be that loud, yeah. so it's still going to sound a little weird. Grant wants to know, how do coaches keep camaraderie in the, rock, in the locker room when guys are going for each other's jobs? He knows that they're professionals and extremely competitive, but with young competitive locker room that the Colts have or have had the last couple years, how do they keep that up? Yeah, I just think you got to understand it's a business. You do. And, and I know that's easier said than done, but it's tough, and it, it's a reality of it. And um, you can be friendly. You can be supportive. You can do all that and realize at the end of the day, you know, wins and losses and guys are competing for jobs, and it's a little bit cutthroat. So, um, yeah, I think for the most part everybody gets that. Everyone understands a business. And, like, okay, once you have the 53 in there, let's go. Everybody's together, and you're going for one goal. This question comes from Drew, and I love it because it's a foregone conclusion to all of our listeners and all the NFL fans. Should we be more concerned as a Colts fans that Lawrence will be in our division, or should we be, should we should we be more concerned as an NFL fan that Lawrence will be ruined by Jacksonville? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, probably the latter. Probably the latter. That's that's a that's a good one, Drew. I give me a good chuckle. True or false, Naheem Hines will be this year's Austin Eckler. That comes from Rob. Oh, false. I mean, Eckler had a big role for the Chargers. Yeah. I mean, 90 catches is a lot for Hines. I mean, Eckler probably had. He had to have averaged over five or six carries. It it, it was a consistent. He was much more of a main back Mm -hmm. than Hines was going to be here. Yeah, especially with Gordon out. Right, right. Gary wants to know, who are some of your mentors and idols in this industry? And if you could interview anyone living or dead other than Tiger, who would it be? Well, sports figure, it would be Belichick. Yep. I, I think I've stated that before. Mm-hmm. Say that Thursday on the Beers with Bowen. Uh, as a writer, Lee Jenkins, best writer out there, and now works for the Clippers, actually. And I would say as an interviewer, radio-wise, it'd be Dan Patrick. Love Dan Patrick. So good. Such a good interviewer. Final Twitter question for this week's podcast comes from Forged in Blue. He read that Rivers only had three interceptions all camp. Are you not exaggerating the YOLO bit here? Uh, no, I think it's in reference to something I, I wrote. You know, when you play the Colts defense in practice, you've got to remember they want you to throw dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to kind of evaluate things down the field. When it got vertical, I felt like it was a little bit of, oh boy, do I totally trust what I've got. You know, wide out wise down the field, my ability to consistently hit these balls. And that's where some of the YOLOs. I mean, the guy threw 20 picks last year. I'm not, yeah. he's got a YOLO tendency to him. And he's admitted that's not going to hold him back. You know, he's he, he's still going to be like that. So um, that that is to me um, the biggest question we've got to see answered physically with him this season. Well, Kevin, it's the moment that we've been waiting for for so many months. Football is back. This Thursday, it kicks off. But we get our game on Sunday. Jaguars, what are some uh, season previews and some three keys to winning that game? Okay, three keys. You got to use the heat to your advantage and pound it. Okay. It is a weak defensive line group for Jacksonville. Very weak. I, I want to see committed ground to sack. And like I said earlier, in that second half, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, they can hit a home run or two. Um, if you break their will physically in the trenches, that will. this is a fragile team. And that's my second key is kind of the whole quick start. Usually don't say, say, um, say this week one, 
But Jacksonville, I mean, where are they at mentally? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been yeah. turmoil after t- turmoil. Guy going on Twitter after going on Twitter. I mean, it is, it's a fragile team week one. And I want to see a message sent to the rest of the AFC South of be assertive, be dominant, those things. I do go back to Frank Reich's uh, quote about people are going to win and lose games on how good that they tackle. I mean, that is, that's going to be key as well. But but lastly, I think you need two takeaways. Okay. That's my, that's my, uh, if you get two takeaways, this is going to be a two-score win. And I will go with the Colts um, 31-20, which helps your bank account, yes, I believe. Yes, it does. Um, again, this Jacksonville team is a sorry group of NFL players, to be honest with you. And uh, this is just just get a win, point blank period. Get a win, uh, break that week one schneid that you've been on for quite a while. And I expect the Colts to go down there and play well. I, I do, do too. I do. Awesome. And I got ten and six for the season. I, I mentioned that on Thursday. Um, I'll have a season game by game prediction up on the site later this week for those that missed it. Uh, next Monday will be our next podcast uh, with roster cuts. Labor Day. We wanted to get one big one in. But uh, we'll try to do Mondays and kind of Thursdays once we get into the season. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bone. Everybody have a great week. Signing off.